Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. <clears throat> Today we're going to be covering chapter 14 of Teachings of the Doctrine of Eternal Lives, the Kingdom of Glory, and the Seven Heavens. King David, King of Israel, stated, I said, O oh my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Of old thou hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all... I have a dog that doesn't know how to stay put. All right. All of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. Psalms chapter 102, verses 24 through 26. Joseph Smith. Paul saw to the third heaven, and I more. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 301. Also stated in History of the Church, volume 5, page 392. And the words of Joseph Smith, pages 202, 207, 211, 212, and 214. Continuing on with Joseph Smith, I know one who was caught up to the seventh heaven, and I saw and heard things unlawful for me to utter. Joseph Smith is quoted by Mary Elizabeth Rollins Leitner, Journal and Memoirs of Mary Elizabeth Rollins Leitner, typewritten by BYU Library, page 4. Hiram Smith. Those of the terrestrial glory either advance to the celestial or recede to the telestial, else the moon could not be a type. It waxes and wanes. And that was recorded on August 11, 1843 by Willard D. Richards. See also Willard D. Richards' journal. Brigham Young. So that's interesting because... in the modern church, they say, oh, like you're damned in your resurrection. There's more to it than that. Um, as God showed me before I ever knew about this book, um, that we have the opportunity to put off the resurrection after the resurrection, to go on to a new earth and to gain experience that we might obtain or receive a higher resurrection but as long as we stay in those resurrected bodies unless we are exalted we are damned so Brigham Young stated who will be saved in the celestial kingdom of God they that have the oracles of truth and obey them where will the rest go into the into kingdoms that God has and will prepare for them, and there are millions of such kingdoms. There is as many uh, degrees of glory as there are degrees of capacity, and to them will be meted out according to their faith, goodness, and the truth that abides in them, and according to the light God has imparted to them. And that is recorded in the Essentials of Brigham Young, pages 139 and 140. Brigham Young also stated, Brethren and sisters, I have a few words to say to you with regards to our present position as connected with future events. 
future prospects, future kingdoms, glories, and existence. And the rise, spread, glory, and power of the kingdom of God upon the face of the earth. You know that I am today, and that I am a today person in the preaching and the exhortations. They are for the time we now live in, uh, live in, not particularly for the millennium or for the resurrection or for the eternities yet to come. For if we can live this day as we ought to live, we shall be prepared for tomorrow and so on for the next day. <coughs> Excuse me. And when the eternities come, we shall prepare to we shall be impar- are prepared to enjoy them. You are constantly taught to live your religion for today. You cannot live it for can you live it? Can you not live it for one hour? Begin at a small point. Can you not live to the Lord for one minute? Yes. Then can we not multiply that by 60 and make an hour and live for that hour to the Lord? Yes. And then for a day, a week, a month, and a year? Then when the past is past, it has been spent most satisfactorily. We may so live our religion every moment and so watch our own conduct as to not suffer ourselves in the least to do anything that would infringe upon a good conscience that is formed and regulated by the priesthood of God and in all our acts to not permit ourselves to do one act that next year or the ne- a few years hence will wound the heart and bring shame and confusion over the countenance. But let every day be lift, be filled with acts that will be in our ref, our reflections a source of joy and consolation. This is a world in which we are to prove ourselves. The lifetime of man is a day of trial, wherein we may prove to our God in our darkness and in our weakness, and where our enemies reign, that we are our Father's friends, and that we are that we receive light from Him, and are worthy to be leaders of our children, to become lords of lords and kings of kings, to have perfect dominion over that portion of our families that will be crowned in the celestial kingdom of glory, or with glory, immortality, and eternal lives. If we are crowned to become Lord of Lords and King of Kings, it will be to rule and reign over our own posterity pertaining to this flesh, these tabernacles. This commencement in our finite state or being, when I reign King of Kings and Lord of Lords over my children, it will be when my first, second, and third, fourth, and so on, son rises up and counts thousands and millions of his posterity and is king over them then I am then I am a king of kings of these kings so he's talking about if you understand the progression of the gods that's what he's talking about he's not talking about how you might think of it in a mortal nature but it is an immortal uh, celestial nature. At least that's what I think he's talking about. 
Our Father, who is Lord of all, will reign a King of kings and a Lord of lords over all of his children. Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 59 through 61. Lorenzo Snow stated, As soon as the camp came up, different arrangements were entered into in relation to the R50. And I think he's talking about... Well, he could be talking about Zion's camp, but I'm not sure. He might be talking about the camp, um, the different regiments of wagons moving east. I'm not, or west, I'm not sure. It was concluded not to be wisdom for us to go on as it was at first intended, but for the whole camp to go to working plow, fencing, and putting in how, up houses. Okay, so he's not talking about Zion's camp. I assisted in chopping and putting up Brother Pratt's house logs and about that time was taken sick with the fever, May uh, the 25th of May. I never have such a had a severe fit of sickness before since my recollection. My friends and family had given up most all hopes of my recovery. Father Huntington, the president of the place, called on his congregation to pray for me. He also, with General Rich and some other others, clothed themselves in the garments of the priesthood and prayed for my recovery. I believe it was through the continued application of my family and friends to the throne of heaven that my life was spared. So this is interesting. So... These individuals who were praying for him, they put on the garments of the holy priesthood. So they weren't wearing them outside of the temple because before a certain point in church history, uh, there were temple clothes and there were regular clothes. And you did not wear regular clothes outside of the temple. That's why Joseph Smith and Hiram, when they were shot and killed, were not wearing their garments because that's not how things were done back then. Anyway, in my sickness, I went through, in my mind, the most singular scenes that any man ever did. My family generally believed that I was not in my right mind, but the the scenes through which my spirit traveled are yet fresh in my memory, as though they occurred but yesterday. And when my people supposed me in the greatest uh, pain and in danger... I am conscious of having a great many spiritual exercises upon partaking of the most acute suffering that heart can conceive, and others the most rapturous enjoyment that heart ever felt or imagined ever conceived. I suppose at first I must have have been left in the hands of an evil spirit. In fact, I was administered to upon this uh, supposition. I was led into the full and perfect conviction that I was entirely a hopeless case in reference to salvation, that eternities upon eternities must pass, and still I saw my case would remain the same. I saw the whole world rejoicing in all the powers and glories of salvation without the slightest beam of hope on my part, but doomed to a separation from my friends and family, all I loved most here to eternity upon eternity. I shuddered even now at the remembrance of the torment and agony of my feelings. No tongue could describe them or imagine conceive, imagination conceive. 
Those who were attending me at that time described me as being in a condition of body. I remained several hours refusing to speak. My body was cool and my eyes and my countenance denoted extreme suffering. After the scene ended, I entered another of the opposite character. My spirit seemed to have left the whole world and introduced into that of Kolob. I heard a voice calling me by name, saying, He is worthy, he is worthy, take away his filthy garments. My clothes were taken off piece by piece, and a voice said, Let him be clothed, let him be clothed. Immediately I found a celestial body gradually growing upon me until at length I found myself crowned with all of its glory and power. This ecstasy of joy I now experienced no man can tell. Pen cannot describe it, so it's ineffable, indescribable. I conversed familiar, familiarly with Joseph, Father Smith, and many others, and mingled in the society of the Holy Ones. I saw my family all saved and observed the dispensations of God with mankind until at last a perfect re- redemption was effected. Through great, though great was the sufferings of the wicked, especially those that had persecuted the saints, my spirit must have remained. I should judge for for days, enjoying the scene of eternity, eternal happiness, and that comes from the Iowa Journal of Lorenzo Snow, edited with an introduction by Marine Yersenbach. Beecher, BYU Studies, Volume 24, Number 2, Spring 1984. Let's see here. Hugh Nibley stated, and Hugh Nibley was a professor of uh, religious studies at BYU. It was a very good professor, very knowledgeable. Anyway, he stated, Upon reaching heaven, Enoch is exalted to the level of the Son of Man, 1st Enoch 70 and 71, while as a reward, all of the righteous may receive the secrets of the Son of Man, who is still a mystery now, 1st Enoch 118. The standard mounting up to the seventh heaven, for example, of our Ishmael, is an initiation reflected in the Helchot, our Heklot concept and that's uh, from one of Hugh Nibley's books let's see which one Uh, his book called Enoch the Prophet page 61 Isaiah is instructed in his ascension not to worship at any of the six central thrones at any of the Chorostasias I don't know or uh, singing praise circles, circles he must pass on the way up, since all the others are simply focusing their praise on him who sitteth in the seventh throne. And that's uh, Hugh Nibley in his book, Mormonism and Early Christianity, page 68. I I might start reading Hugh Nibley's book since I've read all of Ogden Kraut's books. And by the way, this is not an Ogden Kraut book. This is a compilation of quotes from an unknown author who wanted to remain uh, uh, secret, I guess, not silent. 
In Enoch 3, the Rabbi Ishmael mounting up to heaven must pass through six hekaloths, or chambers within chambers, the halls being arranged in concentric circles. The word hekal usually means uh, simply temple, or its Arabic word for shrine or temple. But in the Enoch literature, it regularly refers to the chambers or rooms of the temple represented various steps of initiation. Arriving at the entrance of the seventh Hekel, and that is uh, Nibley's book, Mormonism and Early Christianity, page 71. Now, this is a different person, Daniel H. Ludlow, who is an early leader in the church. Enoch is one of the two, or second Enoch is one of the two most difficult Jewish writings to date and to understand because it is preserved only in the medieval medieval Slavnic manuscripts. It was beloved by the Bogomils, who were shaped by ancient Jewish sources, but who also created or reshaped ancient documents. Many scholars trace Second Enoch back to a Jew who lived before 100 AD. After an introduction in which he forms his sons, informs his sons of his impending assumption, Enoch describes his ascent through seven heavens. Then the Lord reveals secrets to Enoch who admonishes his sons sons, and is translated into the highest heaven. Um, Chapter 67 and 68, um, it is extant only through the long recession, or recension? Encyclopedia of Mormonism, volumes one through four, edited by Daniel H. Ludlow, page 461. Spencer J. Palmer, I'm not sure who he was. I think he may have been a professor, but I could be wrong. His second ascension experience took place on Mount Sinai. He then spent 40 days in heaven, learning and receiving the Torah. Again, he saw the seven heavens and the heavenly temple, as well as the future. His final ascension came just prior to his death. As with Abraham, an angel was sent But Moses refused to die until he was allowed to view heaven. He saw the temple and the Messiah, his brother Aaron, his own throne prepared for him, as well as other other visions of the future. He stated at the end of his life, I am ascended heaven and trowed out a path there and engaged in battle with the angels and received the law of fire and sojourned under God's throne of fire and took shelter upon the pillar of fire and spoke with God face to face and I prevailed over the heavenly familia and revealed unto the sons of man their secrets and received the law from the right hand of God and taught it to Israel and that's Spencer J. Palmer uh, deity and death, uh, Provo, BYU Religious Studies, so he was a professor, 1978, page 85. Donald W. Perry, as the visionary approaches closer to the celestial holy of holies and the throne of God, 
he undergoes a process of ritual initiation and transformation into a being of celestial glory, becoming a member of the heavenly angelic host. Since the angels are frequently described as forming the celestial temple, priesthood, initiation into their ranks is closely connected with the reception of the priesthood authority, authorizing the visionary to perpetuate in the celestial liturgy or liturgy and sacrifices. Two main elements are involved in this transformation, anointing and receiving a celestial robe or garment. Purification and anointing are the preliminary parts for the initiation. For example, during the ascension of Enoch, the fundamental prototype of all later Halakot visionaries, Hek Halot, I guess, Visionaries, God said to his angels, extract Enoch from his earthly clothing and anoint him with my delightful oil and put him into the clothes of my glory. This passage indicates that before entering the celestial temple, the initiate is required to shed his earthly clothes and don celestial robes. These robes are similar to those worn by the angels and God himself. Morton Smith has argued convincingly that the donning of such new garments is symbolic of ritual initiation throughout the ancient Near East. Likewise, Isaiah is allowed to enter into the presence of God in the innermost sanctuary of the seventh heaven only because he has the proper celestial robe or garment. That's interesting. The Holy Isaiah is permitted to come up here to the throne of God, for his robe is here. Grunwald believes there are two types of celestial garments. There are the white garments and the right of the righteous, which are eschatological garments, but we do have another type of heavenly garment, mystical garments. These garments most likely are to protect the mystical visionary from all kinds of dangers during his during the ascent the suggestion that there may have been an actual physical garment that the visionaries wore as part of their ascension rituals as well as the celestial garment reserved for the righteous in heaven this interpolation interpretation is partially confirmed by the story of Rabbi Yohanan B. Zahai wrapping himself in his Talith garment while studying the mysteries of the, cha- of the chariot and by the robe used when Christ taught an unnamed initiate the mysteries of the kingdom. According to the secret gospel of Mark, an interesting example of this idea comes from a Christian ascension text known as the Ascension of Isaiah. But they, the righteous dead, were not sitting on their thrones, nor were they crowned of glory on them. Nor were their crowns of glory on them. And I asked the angel who was with me, how is it that they have received these robes, but are not on thrones nor in crowns. And he said to me, they will receive their robes and their thrones and their crowns when he, speaking of Christ, has ascended 
into the seventh heaven. In other words, the Christian Christian version of the celestial ascent, the full exaltation of the righteous dead can only be obtained through the atonement, resurrection, and the ascension of the Messiah. And that's from uh, Donald W. Perry, Temples of the Ancient World, Ritual and Symbolism. Um, And that is on page 454 and 459. I I was just thinking about my own experience when I was taken up to the the base of Mount Vashel. I don't remember what I was wearing, but it wasn't robes. I know I washed off in the creek and I washed my face and my hair and my hands and then I walked and when I got to the to the door of the temple at Mount Vashel um, I took my shoes off and I went in. I don't remember God ever giving me uh, crowns or robes or anything. He said, kneel before me and I actually fell on my face before he said that and he told me to get up and kneel before him and I asked him what he was doing and he he said he was sailing me up into himself and unto eternal life Um, this is when I received my calling and election made sure directly under the hands of the father but there was no I mean he was wearing a robe but I don't remember what I was wearing I know I was clean and pure at that point Um, So this is all interesting. You know, different people have different experiences. I've heard of people going into the temple of God with armor on. And I don't know if I believe those accounts or not, but um, I believe my own account because I experienced it in 2003. And uh, it's forever uh, etched in my mind. But as far as what I was wearing... I don't remember. Anyway, the martyrdom and ascension of Isaiah speaks of the robes of the saints and their going out and states that many will exchange the glory of the robes of the saints for the robes of those who love money. But the saints will come with the Lord with their robes, which are stored up in the seventh heaven above. With the Lord will those or will come those whose spirits are clothed. They will descend and be present present in the world, and the Lord will strengthen those who are found in the body together with the saints in the robes of the saints, and will serve those who have kept watch in this world. But after this, they they will be turned in, they will be turned in their robes upwards and their bodies will be left in the world and the angel who shows Abraham the heavens speaks to him of the celestial kingdom and uh, reserved for the patriarch but above all the heavens and their angels is placed is placed your throne my wife just showed up but I'm going to continue on here because uh, I'm 56% through and I won't have time to do this later. So, And also your robes and your crowns, which you are to see when from the body, by the will of God, you have come up here. Then you will receive the robe 
which you see and also other numbered robes placed there and you will see and then you will be equal to the angels who are in the seventh heaven and the angel further spoke to Isaiah regarding the person who would be known on this earth as the son he who is to be the incor- are the corruptible sorry he who is to be in the corruptible world has not yet been revealed nor the robes nor the thrones nor the crowns which are placed there for the righteous for those who believe in that the lord who will descend in your form for the light which is there is great and wonderful arriving in the seventh heaven the lord I'm sorry, the angel told Isaiah, Behold, from another voice which was sent out has come. I don't like the way these things go on because they don't have a good flow to them. It's hard to read them and to try to to figure out, okay, what's going on here? Who's talking? How are they speaking? Um, What do they mean? But anyway, I'll try to get through it. And it says, the holy Isaiah is permitted to come up here, for his robe is here. Of this visit to the seventh heaven, we read, And there I saw Enoch and all who were with him, stripped of their robes of the flesh. And I saw them in their robes of above, and they were like the angels who stand there in great glory. But they were not sitting on their thrones, nor were their crowns of glory on them. And I asked the angel who was with me, how is it that they have received these robes, but are not on their thrones, nor in their crowns? And he said to me, they do not receive the crowns and the thrones of glory, nevertheless, they do see and know who will be the thrones and who's the crowns until the beloved ascends in the form in which you will see him descend. The angel then returns to the subject of Christ to come and then many of these righteous will ascend with him whose spirits do not receive their robes until the Lord Christ ascends and they ascend with him. Then indeed they will be they will receive their robes and their thrones and their crowns. And when he has ascended into the seventh heaven, and I saw many robes, it, it doesn't flow good. It's just like like abrupt changes in sentence structure. It, Maybe that's ancient um, ancient text trying to be translated to English. It doesn't always come through very well, especially if it's Hebraic or Aramaic. Um, one thing before I go on. Um, you can read this for free when I post this video and this podcast. If you go into the description of the video or the podcast, you will find a link to where you can go read this for free for yourself and you don't have to listen to me trying to stumble over the words and you can ponder over these things and think about them if you choose to um, get on you can listen to this and you can even listen to this and read along I'm just having problems another thing that I have a problem with is so I work four days a week 14 to 16 hours a day and then I have 
two days where I'm almost completely wiped out and I'm trying to recover. And then I have two days where I'm, I'm kind of recovered and I start doing housework and cleaning. And I, all four days off, I am taking care of my son. So if I don't get up early or stay up late, I don't have time to do these things. And uh, sometimes I have the opportunity to do these things during the day when my son is sleeping. Um, that he's starting to wake up. I've got my wife and my kids coming in and out of the house now. And um, I might have to just pause this. And I don't know if I'll get back to it. I, I'm going to try to keep going uh, because they're trying to be quiet. But you're going to hear them in the background. I also have a dog who doesn't know how to sit down and be quiet. And you probably hear his feet clinking and clacking on the hardwood floors. So anyway... I'll, I'll continue to try to get through this. And I saw many robes placed there and many thrones and many crowns. And I said to the angel who led me, whose are these robes and these thrones and crowns? And he said to me, as for these robes, there are many from that world who will receive them through believing in the words of that one who will be named as I have told you. And they will keep them and believe in them and believe in his cross. Do you want to come over here since you're sneezing in the background and say hi to the people? You might as well. This is my daughter, Amberly. Okay, walk over here quickly and stop dancing around. This is my daughter, Amberly, who wants to be in the video for some reason. No. Hi. You don't? Then why are you trying to say hi to me when you can see I'm doing a video? I don't know. Okay, I love you. Go help mom. Go do the goats and the chickens. Yeah, and put your boots on. Don't go out there in the mud. We have a muddy farm right now. Anyway, um, and believe in them and believe in his cross, for they are these placed here the angels then told isaiah and you shall return into uh, into your robes until your days are complete then you shall come here by robe he ev evidently had reference to mortality either the body itself or earthly clothing i guess the body itself based on these experiences isaiah later told king hezekiah but as for you be in the Holy Spirit that you are the Rock HaKodesh, that you may receive your robes and the thrones and crowns of glory which are placed in the seventh heaven. And that comes from Donald W. Perry in his book, Temples of the Ancient World, Ritualism and Symbolism. And that was published in 1994. And that is on uh, the... Uh, part of the Foundation for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies, pages 683 and 684. Truman G. Manson, who actually knows how to speak well and is easy to read and listen to, he's one of my favorites. I actually got to meet him once. Uh, we talked about driving a truck and studying the gospel because that's what I've been doing my whole life. Well, my whole adult life. The third metaphor has or has roots in the Jewish mystical tradition, but it has biblical precedent. 
They talk about the Sabbath or the Shabbat as earth on heaven, as if you want to be specific and mathematical one-sixth of paradise. You have to forsake of paradise. Sorry, you have a foretaste of paradise. The seventh day, some legends say, is the reflection of the seventh heaven, the highest heaven. By the way, they also say having dreams is one-sixth of being a prophet. Okay. They believe that this is cosmic, that nature herself celebrates the Sabbath. In the church, we have a hymn entitled, Come Away to the Sunday School. One of the lines is, nature breathes her sweetest fragrance on the Holy Sabbath day. That the Jews feeling, that's the Jews feeling, even the rivers don't work on the Sabbath. They are accustomed to throw up rocks and dirt, so they may be very calm on the Sabbath. Even hell celebrates the Sabbath. People who have been tormented in hell are are proposed of the Sabbath day released, for purposes of the Sabbath day released, okay? Hosts of heaven celebrate the Sabbath. They gather and they sing and they feel tranquility. All the miracles of the six days of creation say the Jews are somehow available to us or should be on the seventh day and all creation resolves itself into melody if we have ears to hear. And that's Truman G. Manson's uh, book, The Radiant Life, page 74. Daniel uh, C. Peterson, who is a professor at BYU, who thinks he's the most intelligent man that ever lived, and he's very pious, and whatever. Uh, I don't really like him very much, but he does have a lot of good points. So, The seven heavens are open to Abraham, up to and including the throne of God. News from Antiquity, Enzyme. January 1994, so that's just an Enzyme article. Did you want to say hi to on the video, Eliza? When you are still a kid. Uh, wait, I was, I'm older now. I'm hi. almost a two-digit number. Oh, she's almost a two-digit number. In May, she'll be a two-digit. When are you going to be a two-digit? In a year and... When my second... Um, eight months. No, when in my year second and eight months. January birthday comes. Okay, when the second January comes, she will be a two-digit number. Anyway. I'm eight years old. Okay, you guys? Can we plan something? No, you should go help mom with the goats. No! Okay, go do something other than being in here because you're being loud. Can we play mom's house? No, you can't. Go away. Thank you. Goodbye. And take Tucker with you. Take him with you. I didn't ask. I told you. Take him with you. Take Tucker with you out of here. Okay. J. Reynolds Harris points out that the Odes of Solomon also contain the Ides ideas of pre-existent soul that have to leave heaven for earth and that the unfallen creation, that of the unfallen creation of God, whose environment is changed from a coat of light 
to a coat of skins. The garment of skins, and he's talk, I think he's talking about Adam and Eve. They were clothed in light. Oh, I guess, well, let me just continue on. The garment of skins became the garment of light possible because of the Hebrew coat of skins so closely resembles the meaning of the coat of light. Even so, the Apocryphon of James tells us that when the Spirit returns to its heavenly treasure, it will become as you were first, having clothed yourself, who become the first who will strip himself, and you shall become as you were before removing the garment. The garment also represents the treasure laid up in heaven awaiting the soul's return and in this context the glory of the resurrected body. An ancient Christian writing known as the Ascension of Isaiah states that the saints will come with the Lord with their garments which are now stored up in the seventh heaven with the Lord will come those whose spirits are clothed upon. The book of Enoch is replete with references to garments in connection with the resurrection. The book of Enoch says, And the righteous and elect shall have risen from the earth and cease to be downcast in countenance, and they shall be clothed with garments of glory, and they shall be the garments of life from the Lord of Spirits. The manual of discipline found among the Dead Sea Scrolls contains a concept very similar to that found in the Book of Enoch. The ancient texts make it perfectly clear that the candidate must be properly clothed and possess the or the name of God in order to pass through the last barrier to the presence of God. In many documents, the prophets pass through seven heavens and must receive a garment of glory to enter into the highest heaven where God dwells. The garment becomes brighter as the prophet passes through each successive heaven. The prophet must also possess the proper identification or sign in order to enter such heavens, or each heaven. In the Apocalypse of Paul, for instance, Paul passes through seven heavens and comes to the gate guarded by principalities and authorities. The Spirit, his guide, tells Paul, give him the sign that you have and he will open to you. And I gave him the sign and the seventh heaven opened. The quasi-canonical pastor of Hermes is a good illustration of the necessity of both the garment and the name. No man shall enter into the kingdom of heaven except he shall take upon himself the name of the Son of God. The gate is the Son of God who is the only way of coming to God. No man can enter into the kingdom of God except these virgins clothe him with their garment. It availeth nothing to take up the name of the Son of God unless you shall receive the garment. A man shall in vain bear his name unless he is endowed with his powers. Christ is also presented as the door to the kingdom of heaven and the odes of Solomon. He gave me the way of his precepts and I opened the doors that were closed. Nothing appeared closed to me. 
because I am the door of everything. And that's the Odes of Solomon 17, 8 and 10. Since the gate is Christ, the scene at the gate is often one of intimate union with Christ, as in the Apocryphon of James. After the Spirit is clothed again with, his, with its garment, Christ tells the Apostle, Behold, I shall reveal everything to you, my beloved. Know that you come forth just as I am. Behold, I shall reveal to you him who is hidden. Now stretch out your hand. Now take hold of me. Those who wish to enter and seek to walk in the way that is before the door, open the door through you. The Book of Mormon also refers to the straight way before the gate and identifies the Holy One of Israel as its gatekeeper. The way for man is narrow, but it lieth in a straight course before him. And the keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel, and he employeth no servant there. And there is no way to save save it, or there is no way save it be by the gate. For he cannot be deceived, for the Lord God is his name. And that's the gate to go into uh, the glory of God. Christ brings you into his presence. All right, so the doctrine of the name of God as a key word runs like red, a red ribbon through the history of revealed religion. Thus, if the pistis... Sophia proclaims, Thou art the key, O Savior, which opens the door of all things and shuts the door of all. The author is merely citing Isaiah 22, which says, I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulders. So he shall open and none shall shut and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. One is immediately reminded of the Pistis Sophia, where one communicates knowledge to God through the certain passwords and signs, and they shall test the soul to find their signs in it, as well as their seals and their baptism and their anointings. In the ascension, uh, ascension of Isaiah 7.22, it explains that each recipient is of the garment also receives a crown and a throne for above all the heavens and their angels has thy throne been placed and thy garments and thy crown which thou shalt see again in 8:14 it says when from the body will the by the will of god thou hast ascended hither then thou wilt receive the garment which thou seest, and likewise other numbered garments laid up there thou wilt see. And then thou wilt become equal to the angels of the seventh heaven. Finally, in the nine, in nine uh, the ascension of Isaiah 9, uh, 12 and 13, it states, How is it? that they have received the garments, but have not the thrones and crowns. And he said unto me, Crowns and thrones of glory they do not receive, till the Beloved will descend in the form in which you will see him descend. And that's also in the Testament of Levi 8, 
verses 5 through 7, The Pastor of Hermes uh, and the Similitudes, volume 8, or not volume 8, I think that's chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and the Odes of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then the IQS, I don't know what that is, the IQS. That sounds like a Dead Sea Scroll. I don't know. The, necessi- the necess- necessity of the sinless Messiah by Roner- Ronald A. Heiner, BYU Studies, Volume 2, Number 1, Fall 1982. See the article for numerous associated footnotes. Blake Thomas Osler stated, finally in the ascension of Isaiah, about 150 A.D., Isaiah is overcome by the Holy Spirit as he lies upon a couch and becomes as one dead. He is taken then he is then taken up in a vision of the heavens. So that's um, the ascension of Isaiah uh, 6 verse 10 and 6 verse 14. And by a glorious angel, seven, uh, chapter 7, verses 2 through 3, Isaiah beholds a throne with angels on the right and on the left, Isaiah, the ascension of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 14 through 15. Um, he is then lifted through the seven heavens by the angel who interprets their contents to him. Isaiah Isaiah's angel guide gives him a book wherein is written the deeds of the children of Israel, Isaiah, the ascension of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 22. And in the highest heaven, Isaiah beholds Christ, who descends through the seven heavens to the earth, where he is born of the Virgin Mary, to put uh, put to death, descended to the realm of Sheol, Sheol, and sends out his 12 apostles before ascending again through the heavens to be seated on the right hand of God while the Holy Spirit is seated on the left. That's interesting. Wasn't Lucifer seated on the left hand of God? Isaiah is then commanded to return to, uh, well, Lucifer before he fell and he was cast out was seated on the left hand of God because Lucifer means a bearer of light and truth. And uh, if you are a regular listener to my podcast, you know what I'm referring to. Isaiah is then commanded to return to his garment of flesh where he tells all present his vision. And that's from the throne, theopathy, and prophetic commission in 1 Nephi. A Form Critical Analysis by Blake Thomas Osler, BYU Studies, Volume 26, 1986, Volume 4, Fall 1986, uh, page 72. So anyway, that I think is going to be the last podcast I make for this week. Um, When we come back, um, I'll be in Chapter 15, which talks about Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. So, um, now I don't usually make videos, but if you're listening to the podcast and you want to listen to the video, 
Um, I will put a link in the podcast for the video for those of you listening to the video to see my face if you want. Um, For those of you who are watching the video, please, I don't make videos very often. If you're interested in hearing about these deeper subjects, uh, go to Blog Talk Radio on your interwebs, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Oh, I can't remember what it is anymore. I think it's God is my compass. It could be Funding Mormon. I don't remember. Anyway, it's Zion's Redemption Radio Network if you're looking on iTunes. And I'll try to put the links in the video if you come across this video or in the podcast um, or in iTunes, the the video descriptions and the podcasts and the links and where you can read this will all be in the description. Uh, in the descriptions, it'll the links will be there. So, anyway, um, I don't know if I have anything else to say about this. Um, Some of the texts that I've read are very interesting and they're very symbolic. But like I said, when I was taken up, so the first time I was taken up was 1995. And I was not taken anywhere but this earth. I lived in Clearfield, Utah at the time. It was 1995. And I was taken up in the spirit as, as my body lay on the top bunk in my dorm at Job Corps. My buddies were going to have some food. And I was laying on the top bunk by myself. And all of a sudden, I did not fall asleep. I was taken completely out of my body in the spirit in a very fast speed, a rate of speed, to the temple in Salt Lake City, Utah. You know, the one that they're gutting right now, the Salt Lake City Temple. Have a problem with, but whatever. Anyway, um, I was taken into that temple and I was shown through the different rooms, and I'd never been in that temple. And in fact, at the time, I was very anti-Mormon. I was I was Baptist. Um, I was on the verge of becoming goth. I was very upset about a lot of things in my past, and and I was mad at God and all kinds of stuff. Anyway. But I had this really interesting experience, and Jesus Christ took me into this temple, and we went around, and um, we went into the east tower, the middle tower on the east side of the Salt Lake City Temple, and we went up, and just, just before we went into the door, Jesus Christ brought me up there, and... Um, I went into that room, and it was like going into pure, infinite, ineffable love, and 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 just a m- magnificent power which I cannot describe. And I heard the voice of the Father, but I did not see Him. But I heard the voice of the Father tell me I would be the last prophet before Jesus returns. And then all of a sudden, I was back in my body with such great speed. That when my body, my spirit hit my body, I, I jumped off the bed. Like, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe any of this. The experiences that I've had. Anyway, that was a really ex- interesting experience. But there wasn't all of these other symbolic things. It was just basically, I want you to see this because you're going to come here later. And you're going to recognize it. And I did when I finally converted to Joseph Smith being a prophet. And I did get my endowments out in Salt Lake City Temple. 
because I had been there before and I wanted to see if it was right. You know, I'm like, this thing happened to me and I saw these things. I want to know if it's right. So anyway, I do this and I, and everything was the same. Uh, and I didn't get to see where I was at in the temple, but I knew it was there because there's a, a window on the east tower in the middle on both the north and the uh, south sides of that tower just under the Angel Moroni and it tells me there's a room there. Okay, and that's where I was. So, and then when I had my other experiences, um, you can come in, Kim. Kim, you can come in. Anyway, when I had my other experiences, it was just between me and the Father. There were no other angels. It was the Father instructing me on what to do. He told me to come in. I fell on my face before him. He told me to get up. He told me he was sealing me up into eternal life, that I might be sealed up into him. Um, and I was told I was receiving my calling and election. And I saw Jesus after that. And we talked for quite a while. And all of the other experiences that I've had, like, it's just between me and the Father. And sometimes me, the Father, and the Son. So... I don't know what to say about all these interesting things, but I am going to go help my wife now. We have some pregnant goats, and we're waiting for them to have babies, and I'm going to go make sure that my wife doesn't need my help. So thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye.